0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm the youth pastor here at the church. And if you don't know me, uh, my wife Amanda and I have six children, a dog, and the kids have all kinds of various little critters as pets. And uh, we've been here a little over a decade and uh, i have seen a lot of changes and been witness to some changed lives as well. And it's been an awesome thing. Pastor Scott and some of the other staff, in fact, Raleigh is just heading there himself are suffering for Jesus in Florida right now at a, uh, at a church conference. And so we pray for them that things would go well and they'd really get a lot out of that. Um, one thing that's been really cool for me to witness over the last couple of weeks is Pastor Scott's been making plugs for our senior high winter retreat called Night at the Museum. And that's been awesome. And the response has been great. Uh, we, you can only... The museum has a limit of 78 people that they can accept, and we're nearing that number of how many people are going on this trip. We're almost maxing it out. Um, So that's been really cool uh, and fun to see that. I just want to say, if you're a a senior high student, you want to go with us to that, Today's the last day. You have to get your registrations in today. So please make sure you do that. Also, we could really use a lady leader still. So if there's anybody out here... Uh, who would love to come with us. If you've never served with us before, we need you to fill out a youth workers application, run a background check down, things like that. But, so if uh, you'd like to help us with that, and it's the first time, we need to get that done fairly quickly so we can get a process in time for you to go. Um, but we could certainly use the help if you would like to come with us. Now this morning, I'm excited because if, you, if we grab on to the truths that we're going to see in God's Word this morning— there's some things that could happen. Number one, you could have amazing joy in your life. Uh, Number two, you could have amazing relationships with other people, especially here at church and friends. And number three, you could see literally people coming to Jesus Christ as a result of your obedience. And uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Before we get into all that, though, I want to show a short little video called The Chicago Way. Now, this video represents the problem, the attitude that is the problem, okay? So just understand that as you see the short little video from the movie The Untouchables. Want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago Way. That's how you get. That's the Chicago way. He pulls a knife; you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital; you send one of his to the morgue. It's the attitude of someone messes with you, you punch them back twice as hard. It's the idea that you know if someone messes, they're gonna get you know they're gonna get it. It's the title of this message is the Chicago way versus God's way. God's way: bitterness versus forgiveness. Now, the city of Chicago has a colorful history and a dark underbelly, but I don't think it's just Chicago that lives the Chicago way. I think the Chicago way is the human way and the fallen human way, and that's why we're going to be addressing it here this morning. I remember when I was a kid growing up in a small rural town, I was a, even though I was a believer at a young age, I don't think my mind comprehended um, God's way very much when it came to forgiveness. Uh, I remember if someone messed with me, my, in my thought, what went through my head was, well, I better get them back twice as hard, or they're never going to leave me alone. You know, it's just that thing of, that's the only way I'm going to be able to get peace, was to strike back harder than they strike. They got me. And uh, <laughs> and is, is Paul Budnick here? <laughs> Amen. All right. Good. Uh, this is going to be a good message now. I can just feel. He's going <laughs> to participate with me, and I, I always like that. Um, you know, and, but that's, that's not right, and God's going to be teaching us um, how to handle these um, ingrained patterns that are within us. Let's just pray, though, and ask God to come and help us turn from the Chicago way to His way. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for all the people that are here this morning. Lord, we need Your grace so badly. And for those of us who have experienced your grace, Lord, I pray that we would be content and happy within your grace, Lord. And then we would be able to bestow grace onto others. Lord, help us to not just keep it for ourselves. Lord, help us to give it away to those who we need to forgive, that we need to get right with. Lord, I pray that we would choose your way over the Chicago way. Lord, we need your help so desperately is this. And we know, Lord, when we are obedient to you, Lord, that you will work in us and through our testimony, and people will even come to Christ. Lord, we love you in your precious name. Amen. Let's read and turn with me in Matthew 18. We're going to be looking at verse 21 um, through 35. Now, Jesus knew that even people in the church were obviously going to struggle with the Chicago way, with trying to live that way, and so he gave us this story. Jesus was a master storyteller, and he knew that no matter what generation you're from, no matter how old you are, you connect with story, and so he tells us a story to communicate his truth about forgiveness to us. Let's start Matthew 18 and verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? as many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but seven times, se- 70 times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he, became, when he began to settle, he was brought one who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So that servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him and saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will surely pay you. But he refused, and he went out and he put him into prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt that you, because you pleaded with me. And should you not show mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt." so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, beginning in this, uh, this um, piece of Scripture, we see Peter. And he's, he's all full of pride, and he's coming to Jesus. And he can't wait to tell Jesus how, how spiritual he is. But here's the thing. Uh, Peter is going to have his, his head deflated a little bit. How many of you guys, when you start to struggle with pride and you start to become spiritually puffed up, does God, does God humble you? <laughs> he does me. Um, I'll never forget. If you, wanna, you, know, if you struggle with uh, pride, let me just say, become a youth pastor and it'll all be cleared up. Okay? <laughs> um, you know, I'll never forget when I first became a youth pastor, I, uh, I, I was doing youth ministry and I just growed out my beard for the first time because I was going deer hunting. Back then, I used to go deer hunting, and I I used to—you want to grow up the beard before you get out there because that's just what you do. You can't go deer hunting clean-shaven. That's a sin. So anyways, um, I was growing this beard out. I went to youth group, and there's this snotty little girl that was there, and she always was saying something, and she goes, Pastor Matt, you look like a rat face. I'm like, excuse me? A rat face? And all kinds of sinful thoughts are rolling through my brain at that moment of all the things that I could be doing and saying. And uh, God just taught me at that moment, Matt. This is going to be your life, so get used to it, all right? You're going to, this, is, this is what it's going to be like. And, uh, and, and so you're going to have to learn to handle this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and so, you know what? From there on out, I said, all right, Lord, I, there's no way I can get too puffed up. You're not going to let that happen. Well, Peter is all puffed up, and he thinks he's really spiritual because he is going to tell Jesus, Jesus, I am going to um, forgive my brother seven times. And he thought that was pretty good. You know why? Because the Pharisees of the day thought that three times was sufficient. So Peter's thinking, hey, I'm doubling it and adding one. I'm pretty good, Jesus. Come on. Give me a little credit here. Seven times. And Jesus says, no, sorry, Peter. If you really want to be spiritual, you've got to do it 480 times. Peter's like, what? How do I do that? And the point isn't the number, is it? The point that Jesus is trying to make is, you know what, Peter? You need to have a heart of grace. It needs to be a part of who you are. It needs to be a part of the core of who you are so that you can forgive your brother when you need to. And uh, then Jesus begins and he tells a story that is just so beautiful in the way that only Jesus could tell it. My first point, if you want to have a heart filled with grace, the right way the kind of the overarching theme of this whole message is that we would be a people that would have a heart filled with grace. And so if you want to have a heart filled with grace, first of all you need to see how much you have been forgiven. I'm convinced that the reason that so many of us cannot forgive others and the reason that we hold on to our bitterness and our rage is because we don't really understand the massive weight of our own spiritual debt we don't really get just how much Jesus has forgiven us. And maybe we don't see our sin as very bad. Or maybe we just don't let sin just kind of sink into our hearts and sink into our minds and really enjoy it for ourselves. But whatever the case is, one of my worst fears for students who are growing up in Christian homes is this. They won't see their sin for what it really is. Let's face it, it's so easy. We live in a culture right now that doesn't even want to call sin, sin. Right. It doesn't even exist in our culture. What? What's that? There's nothing wrong. You can do whatever you want. There's no sin. And then, top it on that, it's just our human nature to look around, and we can always find other people who seem worse than us, can't we? Right. There's always somebody around that looks worse. And, we're, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as that person, so I'm doing okay. Well, no, you're not doing okay. Your sin up against God's holiness, you're going to lose. It's a debt that you can't pay. It's too big. Now, th- but you do have all the reason to be confident if you trusted Jesus Christ, because it's not, not on you. It's what Jesus has done for you, that you, all that sin, all that debt can be lifted from you. Now, you see in this parable, this first servant owed $10,000 talents. The modern-day equivalent of that sum of money is $6 billion. B, $6 billion is the modern-day equivalent, okay? That is a debt that cannot be paid, at least not by me, and probably by most of you, I would imagine. You cannot pay a debt of $6 billion, and that's the reason why Jesus chose that number. He chose a number that seemed impossible. There was no way that it could be paid back, now, one thing that you see in this parable is you see the servant getting on his knees and, and imploring and begging the servant. There's nothing wrong with that. But what bothers me is the servant promises to pay it back. That's arrogance. How are you going to pay back $6 billion? That's right. you Thanks, Paul. You, cannot, you <laughs> cannot do that. You cannot pay back $6 billion. It's impossible. And you know, I know that in our evangelical service circles and we're good Baptists, we, you know, we, we would never say that we could earn our salvation. We could never imply, but so how often do we talk and act like somehow we're scoring points with God because of our service or because of our giving or because of this or that? And we, and we have to be so careful to guard ourselves against feeling like somehow we could ever make up for the six billion we owe because we can't. And we have to keep that in our minds. We have to keep that to really appreciate grace. We have to understand the weight of our sin. And I don't think this first servant really understood the weight of his debt. Now, can you imagine the the predicament that he was in? Not only was he, all of his belongings going to be stripped from him and sold, but his very life, himself, his wife, his children, being sold into slavery— Can you imagine if your house was being foreclosed on, and the bank was not only coming for your home, they were coming for you, your wife, and your kids to throw them in prison. Wow, that's a steep penalty to pay. That's where he was at. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone came to me, and fortunately I don't have six billion in debt, thankfully, (laughs) but... uh, if someone came to me and said, Matt, I'm going to pay off all of your debt. I'm going to wipe it clean. You're going to own your house free and clear. You're going to have your student loans pay off. You're going to have all—this is all going to be done. That'd be a happy day. Oh, man. I'd be feeling good. I'd be, I'd be like, hey, you know, we got to have a party. There. And, we got, and we, got, we got money to blow now, too. It's just amazing what's going to happen. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. Everything was forgiven in this man. You know, one of the things, if we're going to have a heart full of grace, is we need to celebrate God's grace in our lives. You know, one of the things that should have happened for this man is at this moment, he should have said, praise God, my king's not from Chicago. He forgave all my debts. Everything was forgiven. Everything was done. You know what he should have done that night? He should have came home and he said, kids, we're having a party. We're having, we got out of debt and we don't have to be sold into slavery party. Now, I bet, you go to home, you bet, I bet you go to the party city, they probably don't have napkins printed up that say, I got out of debt and don't have to be sold into slavery. That slogan's probably not a popular one printed on party items at the party store. But nonetheless, you know what should have happened is he should have went out and he should have said, we are having a party. We're celebrating what God's done for us. Amen? I mean, that, that's what should have happened. Do, let me ask you a question. Do you take time to celebrate God's grace in your life? Do you? Or do you just move on to the next thing and not really marinate in the joy and in the beauty of what God has done for you? You know, um, in the Old Testament, all the time, God would do things to help the Israelites remember God's goodness. You know, and one example of this is in Joshua chapter 4. The Israelites had just—God had parted the Jordan River, and the Israelites had walked through it. And then when, after they all got through it, um, God said to, to Joshua, you know what you need to do is you need to go and get one guy from each tribe, go grab a stone from that river, bring it up, and build a memorial. Why did he want him to do that? Because he wanted— that the people to be able to see that pile of rocks and say, you know what? We made that when God brought us into the promised land. God honored all of his promises. We had wandered around for forever and God brought us into the land. He honored his promise. He was good to us. He did this for us. And and the, the adults could say to their kids, "You know what that pile of rocks means? You know what that's from?" And they could tell the story. And the kids could remember God's goodness and God's faithfulness to them. You know, it's so important that we do this. Um, at the end of this last year, I was getting to a point, just kind of life in general, I was just kind of getting discouraged. And uh, just kind of feeling down. And the cool thing about being here, one of the cool things about being here after uh, 10 years is I have four weeks of vacation. I have a lot of vacation time now. It's pretty, pretty sweet but I don't have any money to do anything, so that's the bummer. But, but at least I have time off, you know. And uh, anyways, I got to the end of the year, and um, I'm like, well, I got two weeks off. I might as well take it off and just enjoy Christmas and do whatever. During that time, though, you know what, you know what happened is that I took time to just simply reflect and enjoy what God's given me. And it was awesome. Do you know I came back From those to that two weeks of vacation, totally refreshed and with hope. Hope that God was going to do something awesome. And you know what? My circumstances didn't change. Nothing changed. But my attitude changed because I celebrated God's grace and his faithfulness in my own life. And I want to challenge you, if you want to have a heart filled with grace, you need to stop. You need to celebrate what God has done for you. And in your life. Now, the second servant, or well, the servant goes out from just experiencing this amazing forgiveness, just being released from a huge burden. And if he just would have been celebrating, I don't believe he would have done what happens next. He goes out and he finds a servant that owes him a hundred denarii. That's about $12,000 in modern terms. So it's significant, but it's nothing like six billion. Six billion? Twelve thousand. Twelve thousand is a pretty manageable debt. That's something that you can pay off. That's something that 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 you can do. But you know what? He goes out and he starts choking. Get pay me what you owe. Even though he'd just been forgiven six billion dollars, he goes out and starts choking a guy for twelve thousand dollars. Now I want to stop for a minute and I want to say this before I go any further. I know that there are real hurts in this room, and they're legitimate. You have been hurt, period. And maybe by a brother or sister in Jesus Christ. There are things that have happened, and I'm not trying to take away from that, and I'm not trying to say that they're not substantial, that it's not a substantial sum, that, that what has happened to you. I'm not trying to say that at all, and God's not trying to deny that either. But listen to me. God wants you to have joy. He wants you to have freedom. He wants you to be released. From the bitterness that's going on in your life, and you can begin that process here today. You may not be able to sort it all out. You may need to see a counselor to continue to work through things. You may need to go to a person and begin to deal with it, but you know what today you can do is you can begin to give this over to God, whatever it is in your life. It's legitimate, but it's not impossible. And God can begin to work through it in your life. You see, we need to remember, if we're going to have a heart full of grace, that we need to, we need to think about um, the offenses that have been done against us in light of all that we have been forgiven and released of. Now, the first servant forgets all about that, and we know he goes and he starts abusing uh, the other guy. Can you say disconnect? Disconnect. How often do we disconnect our faith from how I treat, how we treat people? I, I love my mother, but I, I remember growing up, we'd go in a restaurant, and my mom was loving and wonderful, but for whatever reason, when we were in a restaurant, my mom would make that waitress run. This isn't warm enough. <laughs> go heat it up for me. <laughs> you know, go this, to go do that. I was just amazed watching her, like, Mom, can't you be a little bit nicer? <laughs> you know, can't you? Can't you do that? And uh, I was just, I was just amazed watching that. And it's, and it's so easy to make that disconnect, uh, where we don't treat other people like we want them uh, to be treated. It's so easy to happen. You know, and I said when I was a child, you know, I just totally disconnected. I didn't, I didn't connect the need for forgiveness or anything like, like that at all. And I'm a youth pastor and I still don't connect it when it comes to a water fight. Let's just let me tell you that right now. If you come at me with a squirt gun, I'm coming after you with the hose. All right? You uh you come after me with a pail, I'm coming after you with a garbage can. That's right. Do you remember that? So, um <clears throat> but when it but when it comes to this real stuff, guys, we got to grow up, don't we? We got to grow up and let it go. And, you know, and stop making this major disconnect between what God has done for us and how we treat other people. Romans twelve nineteen through 21 says this, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning co- coals on his head. And in verse 21, listen to this, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think the largest part of, us, of this disconnect that happens in our brain sometimes is that we don't trust God for justice. You see, God is clear that every sin that you, myself, every person that has ever lived will be punished. It will be judged. All sin is either paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ, or it is paid for in hell— all sin will be paid for. You, you and I can't get away with anything. People that are doing evil things around you that you see and you're like, this is horrible, God. What's going on? Why are you allowing this? God's not going to let them get away with it. He's not going to be mocked. He will judge that sin. That sin will be paid for either through our faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, or it will be paid for in hell. One way or another, it will be paid for. When you and I try to enact justice for ourselves, how foolish do we look? Do we really think we can, we can serve justice better than God? Do we really? I mean, God is the God of the universe that judges perfectly and judges so harshly beyond anything we can imagine. And we think we're going to judge better than him? It's not up to us. It's not up to us to judge. It's not up to us to do that. Now, the other servants who are in the story, they saw what happened to that first servant, how he was forgiven $6 billion and not sold into slavery and all of that. And then they also witnessed the tragedy of this man not taking time to celebrate, not really appreciating the grace in his own life, but going out and choking someone that owed him 12 grand. And they were disturbed. Can you imagine how disturbing that would be to witness that? Can you say hypocrite? Can you say, I want it one way for me, but I'm not going to give it that way to anybody else? Now, I remember when I was—I've always—I struggled from time to time with things that go on in the church. I remember when I was first a a youth pastor, thankfully, one of the cool things, I've always been a part of a growing church— uh, the church that I was in, my first church in Minnesota, we were in a building program because we were growing. I've been in a building program here ever since I lived here. Uh, we've always been in a building program all the time. And I remember one of the first things that happened at that first church that I worked in when, during the building program is there was a knockdown, dragout fight over chairs versus pews. And it was vicious. Uh, You would have thought that, you know, people were arguing to end slavery or something the way they were fighting over, you know, we want chairs or we want pews. And I remember thinking, well, I kind of like chairs because you can move them around and stuff. But I didn't dare say anything because I thought I was going to get killed. (laughs) I was like, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Do what you want. It doesn't matter to me that much, you know. And uh, it was just blew my mind how vicious some people could be over such a silly issue. It didn't mean anything. Who cares what you're sitting on as long as you're here? And uh, it just blew my mind the way Christians were treating one another and acting. And uh, I think, guys, sometimes we got to wake up and we got to be like, you know what, man? God wants more from us than this. God wants us to love each other. He wants us to show grace to each other. He wants us to work together together. And you know what? He gives us ways uh, to handle it when someone do, in the body of Christ does hurt us. Um, you know, he laid it out perfectly in the passage just right above the one that we're reading in Matthew 18, 15 through 20. It says this, God lays it out so clearly. What she would do is when we're hurt. Um, in verse, in uh, Matthew 18, 15, it says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses even to listen to the church, let him be as a Gentile or as a tax collector. You know, here's the thing. In all my years of ministry, if people would just do number one, 90% of the issues would be done. Just like that. You know, all the time people come to me and say, oh, so-and-so said this to me or did this to me. I'm like, did you go talk to him? No. Well, why not? Have you read Matthew 18? What's going on? I mean, seriously, God laid it out there and gave us explicit instructions for what we're supposed to do. If we want a heart filled with grace, we have to be obedient to God and do what he tells us to do in Scripture when it comes to dealing with other people. If we have bitterness or we're hurt by someone We have to go talk to them about it and begin to work it out. Well, back to the parable. The master is furious. He finds out from those other servants what had happened. How could this wicked servant who was forgiven so much treat treat another person so terribly? And in the master's fury, he has the wicked servant thrown into jail. And then Jesus stops from the parable. He makes a break. And he makes a very serious warning. Look at this in verse 34. And his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay the debt. And he breaks from the story in verse 35, and he says this. He makes this warning. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, I don't believe— that this warning is in there to say that you can lose your salvation. The whole of the New Testament makes the point that you can't earn your salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, so you can't lose your salvation either. But I do believe that this warning is here for one reason. The warning is there to bring us into repentance. That's why the warning is there. Maybe some of you realize this morning that, you know, the reason that I can't forgive others, the reason that my heart is filled with bitterness and I can't let it go, is because I've never truly been forgiven by God in the first place. I've never had my six billion forgiven. Right. And you need to reach out to Jesus and put your faith and trust in Jesus today and experience his rich, wonderful, beautiful grace for the first time so that you can then extend that grace to others. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, and bitterness has crept into your heart, and it's like a cancer. It's eaten you from the inside out, and you realize this morning that you need to release that bitterness that's in your heart. You need to give it, to give it up And let God deal with the justice. And maybe talk with that. Maybe maybe you have to go through certain steps. But I know the first place you need to start is right here, right now, by getting on your knees and asking God to help you work through the bitterness. Maybe you need to meet with a counselor later on. Maybe you need to meet with a person. Um, But right now, today, I want to challenge you to deal with God and to give it up to Him. Now, why is this so important? The reason, you know what, there's, there's, it's just beyond for us having peace and joy and all those kind of things. It's more than just that. You know, I believe that we need to be obedient to God and heed this warning because the salvation of other people depends on it. Listen to what Jesus prays in John 17, 20 through 23. Listen to this. Jesus is praying for us, those who will believe in the gospel Later on, he was praying for his disciples in this prayer, and now he's praying for us, those who will come. And he asks, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me. This is in John 17, 20 through 23, in through their word, that they may also uh, all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory that you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. So the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, guys, you know what? The, Jesus, the world is gonna know that Jesus is for real if they see us loving each other, if they see us forgiving one another, if they see us living in unity With one another. That is how the world is gonna know that Jesus is for real. So, you wanna start doing evangelism? Start dealing with the bitterness in your heart. Because you know what the whole world wants? The whole world wants a place where they can come and they can know that, you know, sometimes I'm gonna be rotten, but people are still gonna love me anyway. (laughs) Isn't that what everybody wants? I mean, what marriage could survive if you didn't forgive each other, right? What friendship could survive if you don't forgive each other? I mean, this is what it's all about. And guys, it's not just our joy. It's not just what God can do in our lives. It's what God's going to do through your testimony in the lives of others if you obey his word. You know, I believe that that new sanctuary that's being built could be filled many times over if we would just love each other and forgive each other like the word commands. Amen? Paul, help me out. Amen? All right. Thanks, brother. Um, And then, you know what? I believe that this uh, youth room, this is going to become a youth room, could be filled with kids because you know what? Every kid wants to be loved for who they are, right? If our students could just love each other and forgive each other, you know, instead of, I can't believe what she said about me. And, uh, and going into all of that, instead of just saying, you know what, I'm sorry, we forgive each other, we move past it. You know, if that starts happening, you're not going to be able to keep people out of this place if that would start happening. And Jesus promised and prayed for that and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can actually have Unity. I want to share just a little bit of story just kind of before we close here of just kind of represents this idea of forgiveness and the exclusive, just how amazing it is. Um, some of you might remember uh, the Amish schoolhouse shootings that happened way back in October of 2006. There was a man consumed by anger towards God because of his own daughter's death. And I believe at this moment, at least, I don't know how anybody could do anything like this unless they were filled with Satan. I believe at this moment, moment, he was filled with Satan and he went into a little Amish schoolhouse and killed several Amish schoolgirls and then turned the gun on himself and killed himself. Now, that's unfortunately a common story in our world. There's six stories like that all over the place. But here's the amazing thing that happened after that. That one of the Amish families whose daughter was murdered by this man invited the widow, the wife of the shooter, and his children to the funeral. They said, we're all suffering here. Come to the funeral. And then beyond that, there was money pouring in from all over the country to help the families of these victims. You know what they did? They set up a fund to take care of that widow of the shooter and her children. Friends, that's as real as it gets. I mean, you hurt my baby. In my flesh, I will kill you. Seriously. I mean, in my flesh, that's what will happen. But through the grace of God— These Amish people said, we forgive you. Guys, that's as real as it gets. It doesn't get any more real than that. I don't care what you say about Amish people, that's biblical. That is biblical. So I want to call you in light of the teachings of Jesus, in light of what you've heard here today, to make some decisions. And while I'm going to be praying here in just a minute, I want to encourage you to do business with God. In your chairs, on the stage, wherever you are, I want you to, I challenge you by the power of the Holy Spirit to take this moment seriously and begin to do a work, let God do a work in your heart and get right with Him and give the bitterness that's there over to the Lord. You know, I know there's more steps that may need to happen down the road. You may need to get counseling, you may need to, confront somebody. You may need to be confronted, whatever the case is. But listen, start going down that road right now. I challenge you, and I ask you, I implore you, to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and go down that road. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, bitterness is such a cancer, Lord, in our lives. Is robs us of our joy. Keeps us from experiencing all all the blessings that are right in front of us that you've given to us, Lord. And God, I ask that you would begin to deliver us from that bitterness now, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would so fill our hearts with grace that it would just overflow out of us onto other people. And when someone hurts us, instead of hanging on to that bitterness and that, those feelings, Lord, that we would respond in grace, that we'd freely forgive, Lord, that we get right with other people, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And I especially want to pray for those in this room who have deep scars that aren't going to be healed and are not going to be taken care of by one Sunday sermon. But Lord, I pray that you would take them down the path that they need to go to get healing. Where I pray that right now you would work in their hearts for them, that they would commit to dealing with this bitterness that is in their heart, that they would commit to working through it and working towards forgiveness. And Lord, for those that may be in this room as well that don't know you, Lord, they've, they've just realized today that the reason they struggle with anger, the reason they struggle with resentment is because they've never truly been forgiven. Their debts have never truly been forgiven by God. Lord, I I, I pray that the Holy Spirit would prick their heart, and Lord, that they would put their faith and trust in Jesus, and that six billion dollar debt would be gone. And then, Lord, as a church, we could celebrate with them and recognize the grace that's in their lives, Lord. God, we need you so badly we can't do this on our own. In our own strength, Lord, we will never be attractive to anybody, Lord. In our own strength, we could never love people like we need to, Lord. We could never do any of this. So we ask through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would begin to work on our lives, and Lord, you would begin to make this reality. In your precious name, Jesus.